Welcome to the Best Boss Ever podcast. I'm your host, Christine LaPerriere, president of Leader in Motion. On this show, we're going to gossip about the best boss you ever had. We're going to hear stories about things that they did that helped you feel valued, helped you feel engaged, and really inspired you. We want to hear about the bosses that changed the way you look at everything. If you want to hear more, join me at christinelaperriere.com and sign up for our newsletter, The Whip. Today, I have on one of my besties, Elise Steffi. And Elise, it's so cool because every time that we catch up, so many times you end up telling me about this great boss that you're working for. And so even though I felt like it was a little bit of favoritism to invite you onto the show, <laughs> um, every time that you would tell me a story about this, this woman that you're currently working for, I'd go, this is, this is what I'm talking about. I get so excited. And it was so much fun to talk uh, with you about this leader that I couldn't help, but I finally said enough is enough. You, you have to be a guest, even though um, there's a little bit of favoritism in here. So (laughs) thank you for being on the show, Elise. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity and I appreciate you shining spotlight on nonprofit management has really truly believe that there's, you know, quite a bit of overlap. I mean, leadership and office organizations are kind of the same. Nonprofits are just doing it with a lot less resources and, you know, fewer staff, but it's, it's all type of the same thing. So I appreciate you adding that into your special podcast. Absolutely. Give everybody just a really quick um, insight into the work that you do today. Sure. So I am working for an organization called Special Gifts Theater, and we do inclusive and adaptive performing arts programming for individuals that have developmental and cognitive disabilities. So we're the only program in the Chicago area that's educationally and therapeutically based. So we have around 300 students and peer mentors. We have 11 live performances each year and seven different locations in Chicago and the northern suburbs, mostly musical theater. We also offer dance and improv. Um, and it's just a highly adapted program, every element from costume script. The goal is for the student actor to be successful and the focus is on their abilities and not their disabilities. And ultimately, we believe that the skills that they're working on in our programming will help them to just live more fully, be accepted and more confident in the communities that they live in. My God, I'm getting choked up. Great. <laughs> it's just a great program. What an incredible impact. And I bet those, uh, those students really appreciate all of the work that you and your organization do. I think they do. I mean, we're really serving the entire family and, you know, our peer mentors are receiving high level inclusive and disability awareness training. And and we actually have quite a few of them that end up, well, they stay with us. They start at 12 and a lot of them will stay with us through high school graduation. And quite a few of them decide to pursue careers in special education and the various occupational and physical therapy programs. Uh, And the others, in my opinion, are future decision makers and leaders in you know the corporate world and the experience that they've had here they understand that people can come with lots of different abilities and you know they'll be making decisions on allowing people with different types of abilities to join the, the workforce so long long run I think we're doing great stuff. <laughs> That's amazing. It's amazing. So I'm just going to give a little bit of frame. Like you and I had talked obviously about your career over the years and one of the things that I thought was so upsetting in some ways was that 
you had this incredible start to a really strong career in business arts. You worked for some fantastic organizations. And then you had two mat leaves and brought two sons into the world. And mm-hmm. now you have these two amazing boys that are kind of in their preteen years. Mm-hmm. And truth be told, you take on the day-to-day domestic care of those boys, right? They, they need yes. to, you know, they need you for sports and for all those things. And so I remember us talking at one point and you just feeling so frustrated because the career opportunities were always this difficult fit. It either required an incredible amount of commuting. It required you to have to delegate care off to some other person for your boys. And it just seemed like the the work world wasn't suited for you anymore. But for me, that was always such a struggle because you're so, you know, you're so talented. And I kept going, how have we not created the right type of work environment Mm -hmm. for somebody with so much talent and so much skill? I mean, this was your educational background too. It's not, you know, it's not just a hobby for you. This is your Mm -hmm. career. So anyway, Mm -hmm. so now you start this role with this current leader and it just feels like things have shifted so much. So go ahead. Tell us about this best boss. Sure. So I actually started in November, 2020, the height of you know, the pandemic, I interviewed over Zoom. I actually didn't work in person with anyone in our staff until I'm going to say six to eight months later, like once we all had had, you know, the vaccinations and it felt safe enough to get together. So even with those elements, I just felt like my onboarding and my my relationship, my connection with her and the rest of the team was just it was so much quicker than in other organizations. And, uh, you know, we just we just developed a rapport you know, really, really quickly. And I believe it's because she is such a good leader and so focused on communication and building this team. We actually all work remotely, the operations team. I think perhaps they didn't have such a bad adjustment to teleconferencing because, you know, we had those elements, but we hold really regular staff meetings. I have two meetings a week and she's really, really open to sharing information. I just feel like I have what I need to do the job that I was hired to do. So yeah, I guess that's <laughs> that's the first thing, just really excellent leadership. Yeah, I mean, tell some of those stories. Like I said, I feel like every time we talk, you share another little, what a week at work is like for you. Share yeah. some of those. Yeah, so I think like the first theme that I had while I was preparing for this was trust and respect. And I just feel more trusted and more respected than I have kind of in all elements, you know, than in, in previous positions. And I will say that I've had a wonderful career and wonderful leadership throughout my career. So I'm thankful to all of them. But, you know, one of the first things that I noticed is she literally said the words family first, <laughs> one of our staff meetings kind of early on. I just, I've never heard anyone in leadership say that family first, that we're, we're actually going to say those words out loud. She has young children and I have young teens. And the other people on our team, two of them have adult children with disabilities that work. So they have responsibilities to drive them places and care for them. And some of them have elder care and grandchildren, all types of things. So it's kind of like at all different levels, we all have things we need to do. And I'm going to call not distractions, but just other things involved. So, you know, from the beginning, first of all, we had a good relationship where I understood her place because I know what how hard that was to deal with the morning getting everyone out of the house to the nanny or childcare. I don't have that anymore. My craziness isn't you know, kind of in like the early afternoon and evenings for the activities that my boys are in. But we, you know, we're able to talk about it. We don't have to pretend that it doesn't exist. 
and we adjust all the time. If a meeting was scheduled for nine, you just kind of can center yourself. If it's at 10, then we do it at 10, you know, and vice versa at the other end of the time to just know that it is part of, of a working environment to be so flexible mm. like that and acknowledge it. I really think that everyone on our team appreciates that because your time and value is respected. And you know, I, I've told you many times, I think that this is the best run organization for this size. It's a small nonprofit that I've been involved with. I think it is the best run organization and, you know, multiple levels. I've told all the board members that, you know, I've worked with on that and I could list, you know, many, many reasons, but I just think this kind of connection to, to actually caring about your colleagues and, and just really approaching this, that it doesn't need to mm -hmm. be so rigid about, you know, the working hours. I mean, I actually was hired and in the job description, it was flexibility. And that was really, really key because I, even with young teens, I would like to mm -hmm. be available to be around and, you know, kind of work around their schedules and it works and we're getting amazing things done. We've been able to really grow our operating budget and our fundraising over the last couple of years. And yes, I do think that I have been able to contribute, but I really think a lot of it is because we just have an environment where people are working together and there's no, no hard feelings mm -hmm. or, you know, you're not going into it with communication problems. I think we have a lot of really hard work that we do every single day for this organization, but it's not because of fumbles with communication and right. ego or, you know, none of that. It's hard work because it's really, really hard. And we're trying to yeah. make miracles happen on a little tiny budget. I just want to point something out. So what I love about this, this idea of family first. Now I have heard many leaders say that, but I don't know if I've seen many leaders know how to embody that. And so I really hear something very different, which is when I say family first, I really mean it. There's zero consequence for you having mm -hmm. another outside responsibility. Mm -hmm. We're going to figure out how to use that as part of the way we organize the game, you know, and we're going to block and tackle right. and pivot right. because it's the work right. that matters and not these subjective right. guidelines that, you know, you have to be here at this time or else. So it's really right. neat to hear right. because like I said, I just hear the difference between the mantra versus the actual execution of it, especially with an entire team. Right. So it's not even like she's giving you this special flexibility. Right. Absolutely it's not. A core. Everyone needs it. I mean, even, even if you just need, you know, a doctor's appointment or something, I feel like in the past, early on in the career, it was a big deal to kind of ask, like, I need to take Friday to go to it. And just, no, just do it. Just go. And we're just, we're no longer pretending that we don't right. have these other elements and that, and I don't want it to be completely, you know, gender focused, but I, I guess anecdotally, it feels like it still seems to fall on the women in families that are figuring out all of this stuff, even if they're full-time or part-time, just, you know, everything with the kids and, you know, both, we both have partners, husbands that are very actively involved with the childcare, but it's still, I can just still see it's, you know, the default, like mom seems to be the one that's running yeah. the schedule. And I just think more women in leadership and we don't have to play the game that we did before. And also, you know, women of our age, we were just sort of told to do it all and have this career and have that, but the support mm -hmm. is not there. You know, I mean, I, I did have when my children were born, I was very, very lucky to have really the highest quality childcare that was available that was actually through my um, employer. And I had a family medical leave that I was able to take. So I got my, you know, whatever it was, 12 weeks 
But what they what they don't tell you is that they keep taking mm-hmm. your PTO, which is paid time off, right? And this has happened to many other women that I know. It's paid time off and then it's taken so that you come back after having a child after 12 weeks, if you're lucky to get 12 weeks, and then you have to put them in a childcare facility and you have no PTO at all, zero, absolutely zero, right? So you have to come back into this environment where you know your child's going to build their immune system and, and get sick immediately. And that stress is just, you know, it's just so difficult. And then you're supposed to pretend like you are not right. stressed out about all of these things that you, you know, you, you have right. going on. And I have a lot of hope and confidence for, you know, the changes that are happening now and, you know, our children that they're all of this silliness of of no support and pretending that these other factors are not in place. I think that hopefully that'll just go away. And it's intense. So, okay. Give me some more um, meat on this leader. Yeah. So the next little element I have is I believe she leaves room for the magic, the, Oh, I forgot to mention that too. So we have a couple of mantras that we use. Um, so one of them that goes along with this is uh, dream, achieve, believe. So this is just, these are words that we use for branding. And we also just infuse it to, you know, build confidence with our, our students that are participating. We're trying to do a lot at this place. They hired me to be the first, uh, quote, professional fundraiser and to build out the fundraising program that was also already in, you know, really good shape, I think, going into it from her leadership and the rest of the staff that were doing elements of fundraising. But I was able to kind of come in and, you know, try to fine tune and grow all of it. It kind of goes back to the first thing I said, trust and respect. I was able to kind of, you know, break down and make suggestions for all of these things. And she was, you know, truly mm-hmm. open to it. <laughs> it's like, oh, we can make these changes. We can enhance this. Let's try this. Let's try that. But um, we're at a point now post-pandemic, we actually did really well through the pandemic and, you know, more or less, I guess we're out of it and our you know programming is back to in-person. So we're at a place with a new strategic plan where we're in a growth phase and kind of looking at the next steps. And then myself as a fundraiser, my job is to figure out how to convince, you know, the rest of the world to believe in special gifts theater and to, you know, right. <laughs> to support us, right? We We are... 75% of our operating budget comes from fundraising. We're committed to very low tuition rates um, because we understand that, you know, our community has lots of additional expenses because they have a child with disabilities. So we're committed to that. 75% we have to come up with fundraising. So I have to find all of these mm-hmm. reasons, right, of, of why we want to support this place. So so when we're talking about it and kind of thinking the really big picture, you have to have room for brainstorming. Right. You have to be able to think, really, really big pie in the sky, almost mm-hmm. the impossible, right? And she leaves time in our interactions and our meetings for these really big, I'm going to call them impossible right. ideas. And there's no, there's no bad idea. Like we can just really, really think big. And like, I mean, honestly, just leaving room yeah. for that instead of just a hundred percent focused on like what we have to do today. I just personally have experienced many times when you're really trying to think big and getting into like, you know, the the future vision, the answer is always, no, right. we can't do it. We don't have the resources. We don't have this. We don't have that. And instead of it going into like a panic, no, it's, well, let's talk about it and let's think. We just have like a really good collaboration where we can like get into this thinking big and, and future plans. And then once we kind of have this vision, 
we're really able to work well together to kind of drill down and be like, okay, what are the steps that are, right. are possible? Or how can we pitch this to the rest of the staff or to the board or, you know, whatever, whatever the case is. So I, I personally really appreciate that. And you just, you want to have people feel comfortable kind of thinking big and not all of the ideas are great, but they so far for the last two years working with her, we're moving in the right direction. And, and I, I think it's worth it. And I, I appreciate even with a hundred things going on, she doesn't right. need to do that. She doesn't need to allow to kind of brainstorm and think out of the box. But I personally think that a leader should remember that they need that time. You know, and I have to say too, like having known you, so it's neat because I have such a different context because I've known you for all these years. And I've known at times that you've been in positions where you had a lot of great ideas. Like we'd be talking about all the things that you thought were great ideas, but it didn't mm -hmm. sound like there was a spot for them at work. So you and I would talk about them offline. And it sounds mm -hmm. so different mm -hmm. now because she's gaining the benefit of that. Like you're a very creative thinker mm -hmm. and she's gaining all the value of that instead of what used to be the case where, you know, when we'd go for a walk and we'd be talking about work or whatever, mm -hmm. you'd go, oh God, I wish they would mm -hmm. think about this. I wish they would consider this. And I feel like that was just a talk for talking shop outside of work, right? Right. Um, she's right. gained right. all the value of that, which is incredible mm -hmm. just by making space for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's wonderful. It it makes it a, a comfortable and inviting workplace. I mean, I, ab I absolutely love working with this team, all of them you know, uh, her included, we're just, we just are getting things done. And it's just this really a supportive, connected, respected working environment. And so what was the other, there was like a third theme, right? Yeah, the third one was ability to seek resources. And our mantra that we use in the organization right now is creative adaptation is at the core of what we do. So we're doing adapted theater, and we're doing it creatively. But I thought, wow, how those two things go together. So as a leader, and as of a, a, a growing nonprofit that is very tiny, I think sometimes it, it's, you know, hard to be like, well, we don't know the answers and we need resources for this. We need to, we need to have other people help. And when you have other help, it's hard not to, you know, maybe feel a little self-critical or, mm -hmm. you know, just kind of like those elements. So yeah, under my time, the last two years, we're on our third consulting project with the University of Chicago Booth School of Business. So we're working with um, MBA candidates and they're, we're just working on various elements for, you know, business improvement um, with them, which I, you know, that takes a ton of time, number one, for her to <laughs> extend herself to be, you know, part of this group and meetings, et cetera. And then, you know, when we're getting the information and the consultant suggestions, she also has the the ability to say, these are all fantastic ideas and I wish we could do all of them. But if we try to do all of these, right, we're going to burn out. <laughs> we just don't have the ability. We have to kind of like tear this down to a, a small nonprofit with really dedicated staff, but we, we need to, you know, take care of the whole person, right? Because, you know, my experience, I've worked in nonprofit forever. People are not motivated by, you know, a potential bonus possible trip to Hawaii at the end of the year or a big giant cash bonus at the end of the mm -hmm. year that just doesn't happen. So they're motivated by passion and their heart, right? For whatever nonprofit they're involved with. And they're they're not doing it for the money. They're not doing it for a cushy office. All those things are just it's just not an option. Um so you you just <laughs> you need to kind of I think 
really watch burnout possibly mm-hmm. even more than in a corporate setting because as a leader of a nonprofit, as an exec, she's the executive director, you have to, during the day, you're going to be working on this budgets and you're going to be preparing for, you know, million dollar asks, but you also need to yeah. empty the garbage sometimes. And you have to just sort of like check your ego that mm-hmm. you're going to do all of that, you know, type of work. So she's able to do that. We're also doing another, um, a second project with Rush University for their um, doctoral program for occupational Amazing. therapy. So anyway, just bringing on, you know, all of these different resources and um, doing a strategic plan. And, you know, of course, I've kind of said it earlier, but uh, being willing to bring on a professional fundraiser and allowing me to make suggestions. And I can tell she actually really yeah. wants my opinion. And, you know, we're, we're implementing all That's of it amazing. and it's working. We're, we're seeing the difference in the results and in our fundraising That's amazing. Efforts. And then yes. I have to bring in one last thing and, you know, you, t- you know, you feel mm-hmm. free to share what you can, but I also know from our conversations that she has been proactive in rewarding you and thanking you and getting the board to reach out and thank you for great work. Like, you know, the recognition, she just, you know, I, I was really touched the one day when you talked about just getting proactive recognition for an incredible job that you've done. It's so refreshing to hear where somebody, you know, so you tell the story, I guess I'll, I'll let you tell the story. Sure. I I mean, the first thing I'll say is, you know, um, it's an environment where you do receive positive feedback. And I think so many places, right, you're only getting feedback on, um, you know, areas of improvement. But one of the things that she said to me, which really warmed my heart was, um, she said that she thinks that I'm a really good, big picture, visionary person, like the big picture, but I'm also able to Mm -hmm. like drill down. (laughs) And over it was one of our meetings over zoom, we do try to meet as much as we can in person now that we safely can do that. But when she was doing that, it was like the heart like she's like a big picture and then you can also do it. I'm like, oh, that's, I'm a heart. And she's like, yes, you're a heart. <laughs> so cute. But it was so nice to be yes. recognized, you know, for that kind of talent that can't really, you know, be drilled, drilled down a little bit. But um, yeah, so I'm going on two years and I, I didn't seek it out, but I've, you know, been given a, a promotion and, and uh, compensation for recognizing that I've been, you know, going a little bit over the hours that we agreed on. Um and, you know, I just really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. I feel valued. And besides it just being a really incredible, supportive working environment, I, I, I just feel really right. appreciated, especially in a nonprofit setting to kind of recognize, you know, extra effort and time. It's so cool. And I mean, I'm just going to give that little point of like, you know, you were going above and beyond. And instead of you having to go in and ask for recognition or ask for, you know, what you wanted which is most of the time, like as a leadership coach, I'm helping people advocate sometimes when they are going above and beyond. Mm -hmm. What I think it's really Mm -hmm. neat is she recognized it, pulled you into her office and said, hey, you are going above and beyond. I'd like to talk about how we can recognize you for that. And I just think, wow, how refreshing. (laughs) Yes. I also think too, I don't know, you know, where it fits in, but for me personally, and and I believe it's for the rest of the team as well, She's identified where people have strengths and talents and interests, right? So I've been able to be involved with elements that fall out of my job description, which is the yeah. money, the money grabber, right? And so I've gotten involved with like the strategic plan and some more work with like marketing and communications. And I just absolutely love it. It is like it's a wonderful opportunity to it makes me feel a little bit more inspired. And, you know, I also think that I 
being willing to share kind of all elements and involving people in and things that are a little bit outside of their job description, it just makes their job easier because you you kind of understand the big picture. At least for me, I need to kind of know why we're doing right. something and <laughs> where all the elements are. And you know, thinking back to past leaders that I've had, the ones that that were willing to share information, invite you to a meeting that maybe technically you didn't need to be at. It's it's inspiring, it's motivating, but it just makes right. things easier when you kind of understand what an organization is trying to do. So Amazing. I appreciate that. Um, so just real quick, I have kind of two last questions for you. So the first is in my business, people are always asking, what's the return on investment for having a best boss, right? You know, cause they're investing in me mm-hmm. and work with their leaders. When you mm-hmm. think of the business case that I'm usually trying to prove, what is mm-hmm. the return on investment for working for a best boss right now? Oh, well, I think that I am 100% focused on helping to improve the organization. I don't have to spend any time at all sort of doing like a, a mind scramble of what exactly did we say? Did we communicate that right? Or is there information I'm not being told? And right. none of that. It's it's it it just feels very clear. So we can kind of literally get down to business when we're talking. Um, we have fun together. I really enjoy her. I think she enjoys me as a person. And yeah, I, I feel more motivated. I, we just, we want this organization to right. succeed. We're, right. on, we're on the same team. And sometimes I think you don't always feel like you're on the same team. <laughs> I mean, I, it sounds kind of like a mental and emotional efficiency um, because there's not a lot of wondering. Mm-hmm. You're definitely not scared of whether or not your kid gets sick. Are you going to be in trouble with your team? No, right? it's all gone. Yeah. I can't imagine going back to an environment where I had to pretend that those elements exist or I just feel really tired yeah. and I can't think today. I mean, there's a lot of times, you know, well, not a lot, but once in a while we'll be like, can we, can we do this project next week? Cause I feel exhausted or she'll say, I need to think about yep. something else. And, and then it's so much better next week when we're or yep. tomorrow or whatever it is, when we're feeling like a little bit more Amazing. refreshed. You just don't need to be perfect. And I think that's kind of pre-pandemic, you know, earlier versions of working environments. You just need to be perfect all the time yeah. and because you're afraid. It's fear. It's, I think right. it's a fear-based thing, right? You just don't want to show any signs of weakness. Oh, yeah. And it, it just sounds, again, she sounds like she's winning the inclusion route, which, I mean, it's so neat because the organization is obviously, um, that's the central value of the organization. And Mm -hmm. then it's neat to hear this story of this leader who is actually really living like there, there can be nothing about you that makes you unacceptable if you're ready to roll up your sleeves and get down to work. Like, so you're truly on a highly, yeah, highly inclusive team. (laughs) So cool. Definitely. It's a great team. I'm honestly just so happy to be there. And I love seeing this organization grow. And I'm just really excited to kind of help mold, you know, the the next phase for the next 20 years of this Amazing. organization. So yes, I'm a happy, happy, happy little, little work camper. camper right okay. Now. <laughs> so really quick before we go. Okay. So, I mean, we kind of got a sense of the, what leaders did before that maybe wouldn't count as your, your favorite leadership qualities, as far as kind of holding back information right, and all of those right. things. So I'll save you that, but you did mention another leader that you worked for uh, pre-pandemic days and um, just some of the mantras that this leader kind of used to repeat and repeat. Yes. And so I have to ask for the Steve-isms. Can you give me some of the Steve-isms? Yes, yes, definitely. 
Yes, I was very fortunate to work um, under the leadership of Stephen Falk. Um, he was the president of Northwestern Memorial Foundation. So that's the fundraising arm of Northwestern Medicine in Chicago. He was a wonderful, wonderful leader. It was, it was a much different organization. It was a team of, I think we had 40 people. I mean, we were raising, you know, 20 to 30 million a year. It was m- very different than, than, you know, this place. But um, you know, I was kind of thinking about, you know, why, why was he such a great leader? And, you know, you would go into staff meetings, which he did have regularly. He, he did a really, really great job of sharing everyone was invited, admins all the way up to his, you know, vice president, major gift officers. Um, they were all invited to the staff meeting and he did a great job of sharing what the goals were and how we were going to do them. Right. And this huge task of, um, you know, raising all of this money. Um, and he would ask for a lot of feedback. I think he probably already knew what the answer was, but he at least created an environment where everyone, admins, interns included, were allowed to, you know, make suggestions on how we were doing that. Um, he made the goal and the reason why very, very clear when we were doing, um, medical fundraising and it was for things that were not, um, available. So a lot of research, a lot of just, you know, special projects and initiatives that our, our lab researchers and our, and our physicians, you know, needed funding on. So anyway, you would leave these meetings and you somehow wanted to work harder, right? Like he would just leave you, was there a spell put on us? He was definitely a very hard worker, you know, there before anyone else, but he did, I think also make sure that you felt part of the team. He held with his senior management, what he called compass meetings. So they would go off campus to lunch. I think, I think maybe once a month or twice a month and, you know, individually (laughs) compass up as he is, he liked to call it. So um, anyway, he was a great leader. He's recently retired and I'm um, just very grateful to have had the chance to work with him. But yeah, so he had these, what we called Steve-isms in the office, but they're, they're super fun. So, okay. The first one was, is this the hill Mm -hmm. you want to die on? Right. So he would tell you that every time that maybe you were, you know, letting your ego get in the way or (laughs) just a little bit too connected with something. Um, The next one was uh, cemeteries are full of people who thought they were irreplaceable. (laughs) I just (laughs) love that. I mean, maybe a little bit, a little bit fear-based, I think. I don't know how well that would work now, but I also kind of made you think like, you know, it's, it's a good point. Literally true, right? Like you're not that important. (laughs) There's someone else and especially working in a hospital environment, like, well, maybe the only one that's not re- irreplaceable is the, you know, brain surgeon or something right. like that. Right, like, right. There's not that many of them that know this like specific technique to remove a brain tumor, but the rest <laughs> of us, you know, yeah, we're replaceable. We could be swapped out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the next one was go to every dance. Okay. So that was, you know, in, in a fundraising sense that uh, you never know like where your mm-hmm. next donor is and any invitation you, you went and you went to the dance um, and he, in a, in a patient environment, you know, it, he, obviously there's a lot of people with, with money in Chicago, but you know, it wasn't, it was kind of like, don't judge a book by a cover. You don't know, yeah. you know, where your next relationship is, is going to come from. Um, so we, I definitely still use that one a lot, or at least try to think about it. Like go to, go to as many dances as you can, as yep. long as, <laughs> as long as you have kid coverage, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the next one is stay loose. Right. Mm-hmm. So I still try to use that now. And I, I use that really through the whole school from home with my kids and not knowing what, yeah. what the next day was going to bring. Like, we got to stay loose. We got to stay loose. Like, we don't know. Like, we cannot be rigid right now. Stay loose. Um, this kind of goes with that. Bend like a reed. 
right? I think Ben, right? So like a read makes me giggle. Flexibility, yeah. Yeah. Like a read. So just, you know, I just remember in staff meetings or something, someone's, but, 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 and he'd be like, Ben, like a read, right? Like we need to <laughs> go with the flow. Go with the uh, flow. Things are out of our element, right? We can't mm-hmm. do that. All right. So then the next two are um, broad brush strokes. So you'd be in a meeting and you get too much and he just hands up broad brush strokes. Okay. We got to take it up. And then um, you're in the weeds, go to 10,000 feet. Right. So right. <laughs> like how much with that of our, you know, I'm thinking about it now, like, are we providing too much information? And does the donor really care that we have all these different elements of, you know, how it's therapeutically based or so I'm, I'm trying to use that or who's the audience that we're trying to talk to? Is it are we applying for a grant or is it an individual? Right. Um, and then the last one was, if you're on time, you are late, right? So <laughs> you had that staff meeting, you know, you if it started at one, you really should have been comfortably in your seat at, you know, 1255. And <laughs> your like coffee. I said, this yeah. is the only Steveism that I would disagree yeah. with. Mom. I'm like, I'm so <laughs> about efficiency that I'm, yeah. I'm like right on time. I'm never, yeah. I'm never early and I'm never late. I'm always right on time. Yeah, um, definitely. So I've shared some of those with, I you love know, it. with my staff now. And, you know, you'll hear people kind of mention that like, well, is this a go to every dance or is this too much for us to handle? <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. You know, I mean, what's cool about that though, is um, I notice when leaders use mantras like that, first of all, again, they become part of the cultural fabric. Number two, as long as that leader lives those same mantras, right? And so they, that's when they stick, like when you really see them stick. But um, what's cool is again, when you can repeat them off the top of your head, like you know the values of that leader and you're living in them because right. you, you're you in a meeting that Steve's not in and you're right. like, you know, right. okay, are we in the weeds? Like, right. Um, right. stay loose, everybody. Like, yep. so you're actually living and he's given you these great like verbal nuggets. They're like two mm-hmm. to five words max, right? Where they're quickly right. repeatable. They send everybody in one direction. I just, I love, I love that. I like Steveisms, and I think they're fantastic. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Listen, this was so much fun. Thank you so much for sharing about these two fantastic leaders. And, um, I'm just grinning ear to ear because again, I, I saw so much potential for you and it just, uh, it used to bum me out to wonder like (laughs) how, how is, who's going to get an opportunity to take advantage of all this great (laughs) genius that you have. Um, Cause you are, you're such a hard worker, but you're also a creative big picture person. So you, you have all these skills. And I was just like, it's not fair that um, being a mom and, you know, having, having yeah. responsibility at home doesn't provide you a chance to bring all that value to the world. Yes. So well, well thank you for day. having me on. This was really fun. If you want to hear more, join me at christineleperriere.com and sign up for our newsletter, The Whip.